Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in Plant School. Hello, and welcome to Plant School. So happy to have you here listening this week. So last week, I was sick, and I'm just so happy to be back, feeling like myself, and that I'm able to record an episode for you. And before I get into the episode, I just want to say, yes, we are still doing a giveaway on episode 100 for you to enter in, share it with friend, family, whoever, and then just message me via email at tinnyplants at gmail, or you can message me on Instagram at tinnyplants. And tinny is spelled T-E-N-N-E-Y. That's my last name. I don't know if I've ever said that. (laughs) But yeah, go ahead and message me that you shared it and I'll enter you into my episode 100 giveaway where I'm giving away a free plant as well as a really cool plant t-shirt of your choosing from my merch shop. So if you like free plants, which I would assume that you do, go ahead and enter in. It's super easy to do so. Alrighty, so today... I'm doing a plant myth episode. It's been a hot second since we've done one. I want to talk about if plants have memories. It seems kind of like a silly question, but this is kind of on the forefront of research that's going on. There's a lot to be discovered and a lot that has been discovered, and I'm going to share that all with you today. A majority of the information that kind of spurred this episode on and helped me start it was from a book that I read called What a Plant Knows by Daniel Chamovitz. So if you're interested, definitely check that book out. It was a really entertaining read. Each chapter discussed if a plant can do a certain thing, like does a plant have a sense of smell? Do they have memories like we're talking about today? Do they have hearing, like auditory signals that they can be picking up? All really interesting stuff and just goes over a lot of really cool research. So let's dive right in. As we know, memories play a really significant role in our lives, right? We as humans, we daydream. We learn from past mistakes. If you touch a hot stove, you remember that. You won't do it again. Memory is really important for human survival, and we're able to take knowledge and build upon it. So hopefully we don't make the same mistakes. We do that in our own lives on really micro levels. So the question is, can plants do the same thing? Can they learn from past mistakes? Can they build upon this knowledge just as we do? We know that plants benefit from many sensory inputs, And it seems like common sense, but those things include things like light, gravity, and touch, etc. They take all of those things and they're able to respond to them. If they're in a really dim place, they know to stretch towards the light so that they can hopefully get more and more as they stretch more towards the light. Gravity helps them know which way is up and down and how to send its shoots out of the ground and its roots down into the ground. Some plants really respond to touch, such as like the sensitive plant. I don't know if you guys have seen those. They're so cool, but if you touch them, their leaves will close up. So we know that they're taking in all these inputs. The question is, do they remember them? And so one of the earliest studies really kind of touching on this subject was done by a man named Mark Joff in 1977. 
and he found that the tendrils of a pea plant would curl around an object, and if you cut off the tendril, I'm assuming you guys know what a tendril is, but it's like a tiny little thin stem, almost not as tiny as a hair, but they're pretty small, and they just help the plant climb. And so if you cut off one of those tendrils and touch the tendril, it would coil automatically, and it seemed to have about a one to two hour retention of remembering that sensory information. So it took the information that there was something there and it would try and curl around it. But after the one to two hours, that sensory information seemed to leave. It would stop the coiling process. It wouldn't try and coil around that object. So this study seemed to show that plants, at least the pea plant, did have a retention of sensory input or a memory, perhaps, but it seemed to be a short-term memory, almost like Dory the fish, who she can remember things for a small amount of time and then just completely forgets it. Before we go any further into the plant research, I want to tell you guys something just so we're on the same page, we understand what's going on. There are three levels of memory that we refer to from psychologist Indel Tolving. He's the man who came up with these terms and the definitions behind them. So first, there is procedural memory. So that's like how to do things based off of external information. For example, how to ride a bike when you get on a bike. There are things that you have learned, and even if you haven't done them in a while, you can be pulling upon past memories to do the task at hand. And then there's something called semantic memory. That's memory of different concepts. Think of school. You learning in school is your semantic memory. It's not something that you're necessarily doing, like riding a bike, but it's something that you are learning on a screen or in a book. And then third, there is episodic memory. And this type of memory depends on a person's self-awareness. So it's kind of a recollection of past events or feelings. For example, how it felt to have a pet die, things like that. It seems to be more like on the emotional kind of learning side, your episodic memory. So plants do not make the cut for semantic or episodic memory. So they aren't learning concepts in school They aren't remembering how you didn't water them and holding that against you like maybe episodic memory would allow. And so we're just left with procedural memory, how to do things based off of external information. And then there are other types of memory like long-term, short-term, sensory, muscle motor, immune memory, etc. And the time commonality is that they involve a process of encoding information and retaining it, and then you retrieve that information at a later time. And I think we all understand that about memories, that it's something that was processed in our minds and we're pulling on that information. And so for the most part, we're going to be looking at procedural memories from plants if they can be long-term, short-term, sensory, not necessarily muscle motor because plants don't have muscles, but we're going to kind of dive into that. So the first time we ever had an inkling that plants might have memories was from an experiment way back in 1882 by John Burden Sanderson. 
I see the name Sanderson and all I can think of is the Sanderson sisters because it is October and Hocus Pocus is on my mind. I still need to watch Hocus Pocus 2 sometime. I don't need to. I want to. Anyways, that was a tangent. John Burden Sanderson was not a Sanderson sister. He was a man, first of all, and he studied Venus flytraps. So he discovered that the trap on the Venus flytrap would not close if only one hair was touched. And that is because it had to ensure that the bug was big enough for it to be willing to close. So it will close if a second hair is touched and it has to happen within 20 seconds of the first hair being touched. So if you were to touch one hair and then you waited 30 seconds, so past the 20 mark, and you touched a second hair, the Venus flytrap would process that as only one hair being touched. It had completely forgotten about that first hair that you touched 30 seconds ago. So we know that it could remember that that first hair had been touched for a very short period of time. It was about 20 seconds. And much later, it was discovered by Dieter Hodick and Andreas Sivers in Germany they found that it was through electrical charges that this was happening. So there's a whole bunch of science about calcium channels opening up and closing, and I'm going to spare you that because I really don't think it would be beneficial on plant school to dive into the really nitty-gritty. So we're going to leave it at the explanation that there were electrical charges allowing this memory to be held. If you want to know about the calcium channels, you can go Google that yourself. And then since then, other studies have been done where they put very fine electrodes on the trap and they sent an electrical current through the electrode and it closed the trap straight away. So this whole idea was kind of proving that perhaps electrical signals in plants is very similar to the electric signals we have firing in our neurons. And our neurons are kind of the base of how memories are being made in our brains. So from that experiment, we know that perhaps plants have short-term memories. At least one does. The Venus flytrap, the pea plant. What about long-term memory? How long can a plant be remembering things? Are there different plants out there that remember things for years and years? So there is research on this topic. The research shows that plants do have capabilities for long-term memory and they can respond to stimuli from a while ago. So there have been a few studies. One of them was by Michael Thelier in Normandy and he found if you wound a cotyledon, which is like the very first leaf that pops off of a seed, it's kind of like the true leaf they don't do much, but if you were to grow a bean plant or something, you'll see these two leaves on each side, and that is the cotyledon. So if you were to wound it, and then you pruned off the apical stem, that's the main stem going straight up into the air, they found that its lateral bud won't grow. And if you wound one cotyledon, and then pull both of them off, the one that was wounded before it was pulled off won't have as strong of growth on its lateral buds. So basically, the plant was remembering which cotyledon was being injured, and it affected how well it was growing on that injured side. And it was happening even if they were both being pulled off. 
So the time between wounding the cotyledon and pruning off that main apical bud at the top, it was about two weeks that they were seeing the same results. So somehow the plant was storing that you had wounded it, this traumatic information that one of its cotyledons was being hurt and it was affecting the way it grew for up to two weeks, which is a significant amount of time when the past two plants we learned about, one was keeping memories for 20 seconds, the Venus flytrap, and the pea plant, that information was being retained for about one to two hours. Unfortunately, researchers still aren't sure how the information from the stimuli of injuring the cotyledon was being stored, but their hypothesis is that it's through the hormone auxin. And so this hormone was able to store the stimulus, the information from that, and affect the way that the plant was then being grown throughout those two weeks. And with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about, when we come back, we're going to talk about if plants can remember anything past two weeks, if there have been any studies with that. But I will be right back. Oh my goodness, hello. It's me doing an ad for my own podcast. But I don't know if you guys know this, but this podcast, the Plant School podcast, is put on by me, myself, and I. No one is paying me to do this. I do it in my free time, and I greatly appreciate any support that you can give to keep this podcast going. So there are three ways that you can support this podcast. Number one, you can share it with a friend. And if you do so, you actually enter into my giveaway. All you have to do is message me on Instagram at Tinny Plants and let me know that you shared it and I will enter you in to win some really cool plant school merch for free. Secondly, you can buy plant school merch on your own. We have some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers as well as plant school podcast specific shirts and stickers. The link to my merch store can be found in the show notes of every single episode. And third option that you can do to support this podcast is to become a supporter. There is a link at the very bottom of the details of every episode of my podcast and you can click that link to support the podcast and set up a monthly donation. It can be as low as $1 a month or it can be, you know, as high as you want. I won't tell you what to do. Any support that you can give is greatly appreciated. It allows me to spend my free time researching for you and helping you learn more about the plant world in a really fun and digestible way. I love doing this podcast and I would really love your guys' help in sustaining it so that I can keep going with it for the long haul. Thank you. I am back and I'm ready to dive into some more really interesting research. So we just talked about the experiment with the cotyledons and how plant could remember which side was injured. And we're wondering if there have been any plants that store memories and react to them after two weeks. Have there been anything longer? And yes, there has been, which is really exciting. So There's this process called vernalization, where a plant will not flower unless it's been exposed to freezing temperatures. One example of this is with flowering cherry trees. And I'm kind of excited to talk about this because we just talked about two episodes ago, David Fairchild and how he helped bring in cherry trees to Washington, D.C., and this relates directly to that. So those cherry blossoms in Washington, D.C., 
they will start to bloom once they have hit 12-hour days in April. So we know that plants will keep information about light coming in and that helps them know when to flower. So when they've had 12-hour days in April, they know that it is time to start flowering and that's how people are able to make predictions on when Washington DC is going to have the big cherry blossom festival. They have that whole website that tells you when the best weeks are to come. But this brings up the question, these trees, they're also getting 12-hour days in September. So why aren't they just flowering then too? Do they just start up this whole new flowering cycle right as fall is hitting? How come it's only in April during those 12-hour days that they are flowering? And this is because, you might have guessed it, they remember the flowering in April. And let's see, April to September, that's about a five-month period that these flowering cherry trees are remembering that first flowering that happened in April for them. So five months, that greatly surpasses our two-week record that we have learned about so far. So how do we know that these trees remember? And this is where the research comes in. So there have been studies with a plant called mouse ear cress or Arabidopsis thaliana. And this plant, I've talked about it before in some other episodes, but they use this plant because its entire genome has been spelled out for us. Researchers have gone in and literally unraveled every strand of DNA and it is spelled out for us. So it's a plant that is highly used in studies for this reason. And there are varieties of this plant, the mouse ear cress, that live in northern climates and they require fertilization where a plant needs the freezing temperatures to flower. And they were able to find the very specific gene that induces this behavior and makes fertilization possible. So they saw that the mouse ear cress was able to turn this gene off once it had flowered and keep it off even when conditions seemed right. It was, you know, maybe getting those 12-hour days. Conditions were right later in the year, but it remembered to turn it back on once winter had set in again. So it was kind of like a light switch. It had been turned off, and it will not turn back on until after winter time has set in. And it's still being researched how exactly the gene is being reactivated yet. They aren't sure how the light switch turns back on. That gene just comes back on for it. And moving on with the idea of plants having more of these long-term memories, there has been research done by a woman named Barbara Hohn in Switzerland, and she found that plants that are stressed can make new combinations of DNA and pass it down to their little seed babies even when those new plants haven't undergone the stress themselves. So the mother plant was reacting to the stimuli, the stress. It encoded that information. And then when the new plant grew, those genes would be decoded at a later time and be used by those new plants. And this is like the most basic definition of a memory. And she found that this was being done to all of the mother plant seeds. And they produce thousands of seeds at a time. So how these changes in DNA happen is yet to be discovered. And with Barbara Hone's study, 
this whole idea that stress that a plant is experiencing and those memories in the genes that can be passed down from one generation to the next, it sounds kind of silly that a plant can be passing down information, almost like a grandparent telling you a traumatic story or something for you to learn from, but it's being supported by more and more studies in plants and in animals. So if animals go under certain stresses in their lives, that can alter their DNA and they can pass that down to their babies, which is so cool. I think it's just kind of a survival instinct. Perhaps humans do this too. I would not be surprised that if the stresses we experience in our lives somehow affect our DNA and then we pass it on to our children, hopefully for the better, right? Hopefully. So in conclusion, plant myth or not, does a plant have memories? And yes, plants do have memories in a very basic form, not the emotional memories we have every single day. That would honestly be a little alarming if plants did, if they were like, you know what? I'm done here. You have not been watering me on the schedule I want. You are not putting me in a great window. I'm upset about it. And therefore, I'm going to turn yellow and die or something. I don't know. I don't know how a plant would retaliate back at you for that. Start putting up signs to invite all the fungus gnats into its soil. I'm not sure, but it would be alarming. So thank goodness that for the most part, they only have procedural memories and a very low level of consciousness. Some plants that we talked about, they do respond to those electric signals that are being sent to retain information just as we do with our neurons. So there's also those plants that are responding to things in a very similar way that our brains respond to things. But all in all, the answer is yes, plants do have memories. And I'm glad that they do because it allows them to flower when they need to flower. And I love the springtime. Fall is making me a little bit sad because I know all those beautiful leaves are going to be gone soon. But I'm glad that plants can have that basic form of memory to know when to flower again and bring that beautiful springtime and just function on the most basic of levels. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something new about our, our little plant friends that they do indeed have some basic form of memories. And I hope to have you here next week on the next episode of Plant School. Thank you for being here and listening today. And I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs. And the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.